Welcome to That Artist, a podcast where we talk about all things art. I'm your host, Danny, And I'm Michaela. And let's talk about what's going on in the art world this week. You know, I totally was like trying to mouth along the intro when you said that, and I got our own intro wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, you never have to do it. I know, I never do it, so obviously it's... But it's bad that I don't know our own intro. Isn't that bad? It's fine, it's fine. Obviously, guys, I'm a true professional. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Pride Month Part 2! Yeah! It's our second week of Pride. Yay! Just, just here, where we live in Des Moines, it was Pride Week, which is so exciting. I got to go. I saw our future guest, Complete Moon, do some performances of theirs, and I went out with some friends. Danny, do you want to know what time I got home? <laughs> I want to guess. Wait, uh... let, let's start out with, what time? do you know what time I usually go to bed? Uh, no, but knowing what time you have to get up for work, mm-hmm. is it within there somewhere? Okay, you tell me what time you typically go to bed after a night out. I'm usually, oh, I meant like just in general. Oh, so in point general. out, okay. but I'll, t- I'll say both. Um, in general, I try to go to bed, or I'm usually laying down in bed between 9 and 9.30, and I'm usually asleep by 10. I have bipolar disorder, and if you guys don't know this, messing up your sleep schedule a lot can trigger manic episodes. So I try to have, like, a routine. But obviously, when I go out, one night's not going to be terrible. But typically, I'm usually home about 2. Sometimes I shower and eat. I'm usually in bed, like, 2.45 at the latest. Okay, now okay. guess what time I got home after Friday. Um, Is it a trick question, and to the answer is you didn't? I mean, I I ended up home at some point. <laughs> what time did I? End up well, at? yeah, but I mean, what if we were throwing in when you fell asleep. Home okay. Um, um, after going out Saturday night. Um, I'm gonna say after six. Yeah, I got home at six thirty a.m. Yeah, Sunday morning. <laughs> I can't believe I got that. <laughs> it was. I believe it. Yeah, I I unfortunately was not able to go to Pride and support all of my friends um, because I have a toddler and it was hot and I, I did have other things. I That it wasn't was. my only excuse. But um, yeah, I'm super upset that I missed it because I have a ton of friends on my Facebook that are, you know, we're throwing photos up and having fun and then really was, was really bummed that I missed it. But I'm glad you had fun. Honestly, it was so hot. I, both times, I went, so I went out during the day to see complete mm-hmm. performances during the day. And then I took a break and I went home because it was so hot. And then I went back out in the evening with some friends. And I will say both times I went out, I made it maybe 30 minutes and then took my shirt off and just walked on and sports bra. <laughs> Which honestly, like, during Pride is like the most accepting time to do that. I was still <laughs> dra- more dressed than some people there. Which obviously, no judgment. I mean you know but mm-hmm. it was too hot I was like I have to take this off yeah, yeah I stayed out till um 6 a.m <laughs> that was I closed down the bars went to went home or dropped a friend off at their house then went home mm-hmm. and then after already getting in bed 
got a Snapchat from my friend that they were walking home drunk from Pride at like three o'clock in the morning through downtown Des Moines. Oh no. And I was like, yeah, that's not happening. So no. then I got up again and went and picked them up and they just happened to live at the apartment that my other friend lives at. Mm-hmm. And but then on the way to drop them off, this friend of mine insisted that they needed to go get breakfast and I needed to take them to Perkins or IHOP. So me being <laughs> a great friend went and took this friend to Perkins, okay? And then we get there, and as soon as we walk through the door, he's like, I'm not even hungry. And I'm like, then why are we here? <laughs> so then I, um, we sit down and eat. We order our food, and then he's like, can we just leave? I don't feel good. And I was like, no, we already ordered our food. We're not getting up and leaving. Get our food. As soon as they get their food, we ask if we can just have a box, box in the check. Drive him back to his apartment. And then that was like, I don't know. 4 a.m. and then he went to bed and then I uh, hung out with another friend for two hours and then went home. Jeez. Way, way, way too late or early? I guess both ways. It It was a fun time. I did a lot of fun, exciting things for Pride, so. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds worth it, but in terms of, like, sleep and stuff, I have no idea. I know. I was so tired and then I um, got maybe four hours of sleep and then I woke up ate some food we recorded an, an interview and then I um had other activities going on that evening that I had to that I went and did so yeah well glad you had fun thank you it was so much fun yeah so but, speaking of pride yeah, yeah. do you want to tell why I whisper it like that did you hear yeah, yeah I did <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to tell them? So, yes, I'm just so excited about what we're doing. I just I know, can't contain it. We put it. so much work into it, and I'm so excited for what it what it means. And I'm just gonna let you have the floor. So for the month of Pride, so the entire month of June, if you go over to our website, which is that Artist Productions, or it will be linked in the description if you're lazy like me and you don't want to type it out. <laughs> um, if you go over there. We actually are doing a Pride fundraiser for the entire month of June where we are selling some, like, shirts and stuff that we made all the designs for. They're Pride-related, but not necessarily, like, you could wear them all year round, obviously. Um, And all the money for this fundraiser is going to the Trevor Project. And if you don't know what the Trevor Project is, the Trevor Project is the world's leading LGBTQ youth uh, crisis intervention place. And they have a lot of great resources on there for Danny's laughing at how I worded that the, the crisis intervention place I honestly I like wrote down, I wrote down notes and I tried to read them and then the dyslexia kicked in I was like obviously this is gonna get worse if I try to read it so I tried to wing it okay um <laughs> they have great resources on there about you know uh mental health sexual orientation everything like that that young people can go read they also have a supporting community on there for people like youth to be able to go on and meet like wise people and get advice and everything like that which is very important um, because not everyone has a support system and not everyone has people who uh, fight for them and their rights and so having a community like this that you can go to is very important and obviously crisis intervention is extremely important especially in the youth of the lgbtq community Mm -hmm. um but so everything that we make from this fundraiser when you buy our stuff is going to the trevor project so please be please 
go and support that if you're able to. If you cannot, you know, afford it right now, because we understand that, you know, maybe financially this isn't the time. Even going on our socials and sharing the posts about the fundraiser goes a long way. And so if you can't, if you can't afford to buy anything right now, we totally understand. But even going on and sharing those posts would mean a lot to us to, you know, get it out there and hopefully be able to raise even more money for a organization that's doing really, really good things. Yeah. And, you know, if you're worried about money and you don't have a whole lot to purchase a t-shirt or a hoodie, we do have smaller items like notebooks and stickers. So if you do want to purchase something to go towards the Trevor Project, but you're like, I cannot afford a t-shirt right now, we do have stickers for only $5 that you can... We have really, really cool designs. We have one that says Pride and Rainbow. We have our logo in Rainbow. Um, we have one that says Celebrate Career Arts, Protect Queer Kids, all kinds of fun things on there that, you know, you could wear all year round and show your support for mm-hmm. the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Even and also, my yeah, if you're not um, a part of the LGBTQ plus community, because I've had someone ask this, if they're still allowed to buy things or wear these, yes. Allies Absolutely. Also. Allies mm-hmm. are more than welcome to buy and wear and support. Obviously, um, allies are very important. Uh, when I c- came out, I don't, I didn't really get much response from family, um, and like I had to turn to to friends to have that support. And uh, most of those friends are straight people, and so you can be an ally and you can still support people in the community, even if you don't quite understand what they're going through. So. Yes, you can also buy our things if you do not identify as some level of queer. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, typically at this point, we do our art news, but I figured that we would change it up a little bit. Mac has no idea what is in store for her. (laughs) Yeah. We, um, Michaela is sick of editing the art news when she's dyslexic and can't read i wish you guys knew how long it took me to get through an article and how much i have to edit out so we're trying something new to uh maybe it's more interesting for you guys and Mm -hmm. maybe it will make me less sad every time i have to edit that part of the podcast (laughs) and we would love to know your opinions on it too if you are listening and you're like i love this idea more than the art news just let us know because what we're trying to do is try to make this even more fun for the audience to listen in and we are always taking ideas as well so if there's another idea that you have in mind or if there's something that you would like to say reach out to our social media and we will definitely talk about it at our next meeting or maybe you really love um listening to me struggle do the art news and you find it interesting <laughs> and you want to keep it if that's really how you feel i'll do it for you but not not what i love but if that's <laughs> what you guys love and because i've got comments that people love my art news segments because of my dyslexia <laughs> and love me stumbling on my words and they think it's endearing apparently i'm happy you find it endearing so if that's if you know if that's what you rather have too let us know. Okay, what are we doing, Danny? Because I don't know. So, I wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> so, um, for anybody who is on Reddit, knows that right now, am I the asshole? Posts are huge right now. <laughs> I don't know if you want to keep this in or not, but I was starting to do my intro. 
to the Am I the Asshole segment. And I look over to the camera where I see Mac. She She's sitting on her bed. But she has the laptop in between her legs. And I see the inside of her thighs on either corner of the camera. I don't, I don't even know. I, is it sad that I'm not surprised? My hips are sore. I'm so sorry to anyone who is only listening to this that hear Carmela's interview and don't know anything about us because I'm cry laughing right now. Um, I really wish I got a a screen print of it. My hips are sore from my pride activities and I was like (laughs) trying to shift because as you guys know I dislocate joints and I was like you know what I'm sore let me this way might be more comfortable and I realized what I look like in the camera. Um, Because we record remotely, guys, so we're on Zoom. And I was like, oh, that looks absolutely terrible. I'm so sorry. Please continue with what you were doing. Okay. Anyway, so this segment, um, like I was saying, if anybody of you are on Reddit, you know that Am I the Asshole posts are becoming a huge thing. So I went, did some digging, and I found some art-related Am I the Asshole, asshole posts. So, you're reading it, not me. This is so ideal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here is the first line. Am I the asshole for asking... Oh, there's more than one? Oh No, sorry. it's like the first line, as in like... Oh, I thought you said the first one. I'm so sorry. I'm obviously no. <laughs> really listening. Am I the asshole for asking an artist to remove their signature from the art I commissioned? Do you want to give your two cents in prior to me reading um... it, or... Is if I give my opinion now, am I gonna be an asshole once I hear the story? Well, it depends. I mean, typically in a general setting, would you okay, say that this person is an setting, asshole from that question? Yes, because although you commissioned it, it is this person's art, and they're the ones who mm-hmm. made it, and they put in the the effort. Um, even if it was your, if you were a contributor and you like maybe asked for a specific idea. Um, mm-hmm. they're still the one who did it and it's their body of work. And so okay. I feel like they should have credit. Okay. But I feel like that might come bite me in the ass. <laughs> I don't know. Not necessarily. Okay. We don't okay. know yet. So this is what it reads. Throw away as I wish to remain anonymous from the artist. They are on Reddit. I found an artist I really enjoy and commissioned them recently. I want to preface this with the fact that everything went extremely smoothly so far. I am very happy with the outcome, and the art is exactly what I pictured. Only one issue, though. They left their signature on it. To be fair, it is small, off to the corner, not not very noticeable. I just feel that it is unprofessional as I commission them the artwork does not belong to them anymore. I asked if they will remove it from me, and they seemed kind of annoyed, and asked if I read their TOS. Admittedly, I skimmed where it apparently states that they will not remove their signature. I told them what I said before. Sorry. I told them what I said above, which is that I own the art now. They then told me I somehow don't, and then quoted me a huge markup price for commercial rights, and they only removed their signature for that purpose. I said I don't need commercial rights, and tried to compromise by offering them a $5 bill to remove it. Are you, are you done? Can I go on a no. right now? No, oh, but okay. go ahead and go ahead and make a comment. No. Okay. 
I feel like Danny might have had also similar experiences when it comes to being a photographer. (laughs) So this topic infuriates me. And it is because uh, when you buy a piece of art, it's not your art. It is the artist's art. That is like saying that because you bought a book, that book, you wrote that book. That's not how it works. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or if you drive your friend's car, that it is now your car. That's not how this works. It's their creative endeavor. They did it with their brain or their hands or whatever. You may have been a contributor in helping the idea or whatever, but you bought it. It is no different than going to the store and buying freaking pasta. You may have boiled it, but that pasta was made by someone else. You did not do the the eggs and the flour and I don't know how pasta's made is that right <laughs> um whatever but you didn't do the work you just boiled it you cannot say that you made that pasta from scratch I have a lot of hand movements right now because I'm worked up apparently <laughs> but it's similar things in the photography world I have in my contract that yes I'm doing this for a client these are your photos you are in them blah 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 but you do not own the rights to these photos. You can't go sell these to a magazine and make money off them behind my back. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how that works. And that's why there's contracts, just like this artist has, to protect artists. And people get mad. I've had clients be like, I don't want to sign your contract. And I'm like, well, then you can't work with me. That's how this mm-hmm. works. It's protect me and my work. And you know what? I think it's really shitty if this person... What do you mm-hmm. even ask to do that? You may continue now. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I was, I was waiting. Okay. I said I don't need commercial rights and tried to compromise by offering them a $5 bill to remove That's it. The biggest F you. Which is utter BS. In the first place, I shouldn't have to pay extra for this. They refused and I had essentially told the artist that if they don't remove it, then I will simply Photoshop it out myself. Considering that it's mine, I can do what I please with it. They then informed me that I will be blacklisted from commissioning them if I do so. Spoiler spoiler alert. I did it and now I am blocked. Am I the asshole? Yes. And I would yes. like to say in other forms of art too, because I feel like this is um, honestly maybe bigger in the photography world than the other world. Mm-hmm. Do not get your pictures from the photographer and then edit them after. You know how much work that they put into editing those? Mm-hmm. If you don't like how it's done, talk to them. They may be more than willing to, you know, do a workaround and help you out. Or, um, this is a wild idea, research what style they have first. And if you don't like their style, don't hire them. Like, I shoot a very specific way. I shoot um, true to color. That's Mm -hmm. my shooting style. Some people like more light and airy. Some people like uh, more warm tones. You know, like each photographer has their own style. And no style, I would say, is better than the other. It's just their preference or how they specifically shoot and edit. And that's why, like, wedding photography. You have to go through a lot of wedding photographers. And you have to pick what style you think is best for your wedding. So don't then get the photos and edit them. It's the same concept with this of editing out the um, uh, watermark. And same thing. I know I'm switching this photography because you and I are both photographers. But mm-hmm. I want you to know, too, that if you do edit your photos, photographers all know each other. You will get blacklisted. Yes. Like, yep. no photographer will want to work with you after that. Because mm-hmm. you just, once again, it is their intellectual property. They did all that work. You were changing that out. Especially the worst is, like, if you are 
um, changing it and then posting it on social media, you are now changing their image as a business. And I'm sure this is a similar thing that they edited out because they wanted to post it or something without having to give credit to this artist. And, you know, that's shitty because they did all the work and all you did was pay some money for it. Yeah, I I totally agree. I didn't think I was gonna get this upset. No, that's fine. That's that's kind of the point of what why I wanted to do these because I feel like they're good prompts to be able to get some real perspective from other artists. So, yeah, absolutely say what you want to say, I and I, I definitely agree with everything you said. Um, I I have had my own run-ins with people as such. Um, prior to doing the type of business model that I do now, Mm -hmm. I was sending sneak peeks or I was sending all of the photos digitally Mm -hmm. to my clients and they would have this massive watermark on them that says, you know, these have not been sold. These photos have not been sold. Please don't use them. You know, any photographer knows exactly what I'm talking about. They still will use them. And they still screenshot and make them profile pictures. Mm -hmm. Guys, don't do that. It is so... So you you and I have different business models. You you and I do this differently. Every photographer doesn't do it different. The way I do it, because I don't do a lot of, like, large... Like, in-person sales. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do a lot of large in-person sales. So the easiest way for me is I go... um, instead of, you know, sales like that, I go buy photographs, basically. And I'm like, okay, if you buy this package, you get this many edited photographs. If you decide you want more, then it's X amount Mm -hmm. for every additional photo. And so how I handle that personally, because this is the easiest way for me and um, works for my thing. This does not work for every photographer. I will do like a little preview gallery of basically like some of them, let's be honest, some I do light editing too first because they don't look the same behind camera as mm-hmm. you're going to. And some people aren't good at picturing it. But I'm basically like, I'll narrow it down to like, let's say you're going to buy 25 photos. I'm going to narrow it down to like 40 of what I think are the best. And I'm okay with you buying. And I put them in the gallery. You choose the 25 you want me to edit. Because I'm not wasting my time editing all these photos that you're not going to purchase. Once again, they have light editing, but sometimes a little bit of tonation and things like that change. And personally for me, that's how I end up doing my quote-unquote in-person sales because I don't sell like um, canvases and things like that. I don't Mm -hmm. do that. That's just not in my wheelhouse right now. But I make more sales doing that because a lot of times they see the photos and you're like, you know what? Let me just buy all of them and I make more of an income that way. That's how it works for me. But... I make it very clear to people that if you, and it's in my contract because I got sick of this, that if you screenshot something with a watermark, because these are unedited and now you, if you post this, it's making my work look less quality because I haven't done it. Mm -hmm. If you post something with it and I'm, I make sure I cover this part of the contract so they can't act like they know. Um, Your session is now done. You don't Mm -hmm. get to buy any photos. I keep your money because you just broke your contract by posting unedited photos. Mm -hmm. And that comes from experience. Yep. Well, yeah. an OP even admitted to not actually looking at the TOS. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's nobody to blame but yourself. If that was such a problem for you, you should have read the TOS to make sure that you agreed with everything prior or to message the person and check. Yeah. Yeah. If you really or don't just... want to read it before giving them money. 
But I think that's another thing is people just think that they own your photos. And that's one thing as a photographer, mm-hmm. like I make it very clear when we go over the contract, because I think you and I both do um, like contract meetings beforehand to make sure yeah. that we're on the same page yeah. and I'm actually the style you want and everything like that, because I don't change my editing style. If you don't mm-hmm. like how I edit, I'm not your photographer. I'm not changing that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's you get in a habit of editing. And so it's a whole thing to try to edit in another style. It's like it's it's like going from um watercolor to oils. They're very different and mm-hmm. you're you know your thing. But you make it very clear that you're like, I own these photos. These are my intellectual rights. You cannot sell them. Because I've had um we both have worked with models and I've had models try to go behind my back and publish things in publications without telling me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like I actually just can't. had that happen recently. Did I tell you about that? I don't think so. Do you want to talk about so, it on the podcast or no? We don't have to. This can be off air. Yeah. Especially they might. Yeah, listen. I wouldn't. Just don't. Don't be that asshole. It's their property. Like I said, you bought the noodles pre-made. Okay. All mm-hmm. you did was boil them. It's not yours. You didn't make that pasta. You didn't. It's like going to Prego. Prego. What am I trying to say? It's like going to the store and buying Prego sauce and dumping it on your pasta, and been like, I made this. No, you didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. No, that. that's fine. No, that's <laughs> so, fine. That's. I mean, that's literally like I said. Why I'm not I apologizing to, do these. to you. I know you don't care, guys. I'm well, so sorry. Right. I got very heated about that. Right. Well, it, but like I said, that's what I wanted to do about this these because such... I wanted to bring in a lot more passion about these difficult topics that people it is run a, into. It is a really big problem in the. Um, I think more of the digital art world mm-hmm. than like performing artists. It's. I think they get a lot more credit for their stuff. Um, even if you do like hard, I was going to say hard copy photos. <laughs> paintings on a canvas is what I was trying to go with that. If you do paintings on a canvas, you write your name on it. No one's going to go and scrape that paint off, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think with things that are done quote unquote digitally, because um, yeah. that's more of our medium. It's It's easier to pretend like you have the rights to it because um it's easier to do it you know like photographs we don't put watermarks on our photographs once we sell them and so it's super easy that anyone could be like i took that photo and people do that people will take your photos off social media and put it on their own thing Mm -hmm. and like crop your watermark out or whatever and it is so frustrating i'm sure you've also dealt with that oh yeah and so it's like if we want to be here for the whole hour then i can talk about it but yeah. it was yeah no but don't, it's do a whole, don't do it don't you do are the asshole it's not your shit don't be that person i want you to know how many cuss words i've kept in during this that's how heated i am <laughs> carmela mori is a burlesque dancer from De- the des moines metro welcome carmela <laughs> would you like to in case some of our audience doesn't know Um, explain a little bit about what burlesque is. Sure. The art of striptease. Um, a lot of times bits of comedy and farce go into it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I focus a lot on the aspect of teasing and the playing off the audience. Perfect. Would you like to tell us a little bit about how you specifically got into burlesque? So I went to a show last year at Leo's Lounge of Burlesque, which is um, a monthly burlesque show the last Friday of every month here in Des Moines. 
and I absolutely fell in love. I didn't realize we actually had a scene here in Des Moines, um, but we have some amazing talent. And after the show, I immediately friended Leo on Facebook and I sent her a message and I was like, how do I get involved? Um, and she um, said that they had an opening in their fall program, which is the Flash Force University. Um, and I spent all of those weeks doing learning how to create my persona, learning how to do choreography, learning how to book shows and all of that. And it's just taken off since then. Would you like to tell us a little bit about, if you're willing to share, how you decided on your stage name and your persona that you'd be doing? Yes, I, so I had a lot of scatterbrained moments when I was trying to figure out my name and I went in and just like wrote down a bunch of different options and tried out which ones felt like they fit. I was looking for something a little bit more girly and light, almost innocent sounding because I do a lot of opposition of that on stage, obviously with the striptease, but also um, in the song choices I use. I typically dance to heavier rock songs and things that you wouldn't really expect this cute little Barbie doll looking thing to perform to. So I wanted the name to match that as well. And as a sort of Latin nerd, um, I had Memento Mori um, because of the reference to death and, and remembering <laughs> um, that we all die in the end um, in a positive way, I guess, however you want to spend that. Um, and then Carmela is a play on Carmel, um, which is a nod to my appearance um, since my complexion is a little bit more like that. And I just thought it flowed really well. And it's unique enough. Um, I had to go in and decide or search for other Carmelas out there in the burlesque mm -hmm. world to make sure that my name was unique. That was actually part of an assignment we did. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really fun kind of going to see what the other options would have been. Um, and I did find a Carmela Mori, but she was not a burlesque dancer. Uh, she just happened to exist. <laughs> and that was like the only, it was weird that it was like the exact same name. Um, that was just like some person's name, but yeah. That's yeah. how we got there. Long story short, I guess. <laughs> so would you say that as, um, you know, being on stage, do you find yourself carrying yourself a different way as opposed to being off stage, Or do you just kind of see yourself being able to be more open with who you are and just allowing yourself to be more expressive on stage compared to being off stage? Absolutely. My onstage persona is the what I think are the best parts of me just sort of bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot more confidence as Carmela. Um, off stage, I'm a lot more reserved. Uh, people are usually shocked that like, oh, that's you on stage. Like they <laughs> don't realize that because I am a, a lot more, keep a lot more to myself, um, mm -hmm. which even outside of burlesque, because I do a lot of different performing, um, that onstage me is so much different than offstage me. And it's something about that atmosphere and the like crowd feedback that really feeds into it. And it it's a really great way for me to express those parts of myself that I typically wouldn't express off the stage. Are there any parts about your burlesque or your performance that you think differs from maybe your other colleagues in the scene here? So I don't do a lot of traditional or classic burlesque. I tend to do a lot more of the neoclassical things, um, especially with my music choices. Like I mentioned, I dance to 
heavier rock songs, like metal covers of things. Uh, I have done some hip hop as well. I don't typically do that sort of brassy, bluesy, what you think of when you hear the word burlesque, if you're familiar familiar with it. Uh, I also am known for sort of unexpected reveals. So one of my favorite things to do is to remove items from underneath other items. So it just adds another layer to that, like, oh, you got to wait until this one comes off, but I'm going to take that off, even though you can't see it. And oh, here it is. That was underneath this this whole time. And then kind of moving on from there. So is there a stigma of what burlesque is, um, especially, you know, the older generations who see burlesque in a different light than a lot of us now? Um, has that stigma ever carried to a negative uh, a negative incident or scenario that you've had to overcome? I have not really dealt with any negativity directly. Um, I personally myself have sort of had to overcome a stigma uh, when I told my mom about it. Um, so my family does know what I do. And we were having a conversation and she said she had questions. And of course, in my brain, I went, oh my God, she thinks it's awful. She thinks that this is inappropriate and that I'm an embarrassment. Like I just, my brain just spiraled. So I had mm -hmm. to overcome that myself because I was actually projecting that onto her. She genuinely just had questions. Mm -hmm. And she was like asking, you know, what's the difference between burlesque and stripping? Well, it's, it's in the definition burlesque is striptease. Um, however, we do not do full nude. Uh, we do have some covering and it's a lot more focused on the what you reveal versus what you don't reveal as opposed to just removing all of the clothing. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that stripping is not at all as theatrical. Um, it definitely can be and it's really awesome. And I love that those two worlds are so similar and so closely knit because I think that burlesque is an opportunity to sort of show people what it can be and it is it is an art form it is a performing art form um, and i think most people understand it once they have a conversation with you and once you sort of see how the shows run and all of that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's just that's it. why we have the notes <laughs> <laughs> um so you would say that at least a majority of your family is fairly supportive of you taking on um this role as a burlesque dancer Yes, I would. Um, my grandma is my number one supporter. Um, she actually, for Christmas, got me a ticket to BurleyCon, which is a burlesque convention, so that I can further my learning even more. And I'm super excited about awesome. that. Yeah. Um, all of the women in my family, at least on my mom's side, are aware of it, and they are definitely supportive. They might not understand it, mm -hmm. but they do support it. Um, as a far as everyone else knows I just do dancing gigs <laughs> what about um the support that you get from the community of burlesque can you talk a little bit about that it is the most supportive community I have ever witnessed um, it's a body positive community everyone is welcome everybody is a burlesque body um, doesn't matter your orientation doesn't matter your ability level like everyone is included and encouraged to explore themselves and express themselves through burlesque. It is absolutely amazing. I have made so many close connections. And when I say that this is my burlesque family, I genuinely mean that. I have gained so many sisters in the last six months. 
That is amazing. Um, when it comes to burlesque, do you find it affecting any of your relationships anyways? Like maybe uh, friends or close family. Like we talked about that they're supportive, but do they ever make like comments or does it ever affect your relationship that you that people are watching you do this all the time or is your partner pretty open about it? I don't, I wouldn't say it really affects my relationships. Um, I'm a very kind of matter of fact person when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh, here's what I do. Come to my show. I, I have a habit of inviting everyone to my show. And I'm like, it, sometimes I stop and I take a moment and I'm like, I'm just inviting people to come watch me get naked. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. And like, most people would probably think that's really weird, but it it's really it's very freeing. And I think all of my friends see that. Um, my partner is very much supportive. Uh, I know that he didn't necessarily understand why I wanted to do this. Um, but once he watched me on stage, he was like, Oh, I get it now. This is her thing. This is her. She feels like herself. Um, mm-hmm. And she is growing and glowing. So he's, he's at every show that I do. Um, if he can, you know, work and all that. Um, and he actually on my shows that I produce as well. So it's really fun. And I think if anything, it affects my relationships in a more positive way. Um, I've never had anyone say anything weird or offhanded. I've only really gotten praise and they've been like, this is really cool. And actually a few of them are interested in exploring this performing art themselves. Yeah. Um, so clearly Mac and I, um, you know, see burlesque as an art form, but for those who might still be trying to figure out how, would you be able to describe a little bit how you see burlesque being an art form? It's an expression. And I think anything that's an expression is an art form. Um, so I explore storytelling a lot through my acts. Uh, there's typically maybe not a beginning, middle and end as like a written story, but there is definitely a setting like a musical theater piece almost. Um, I like to play with the music and choreograph moves off of what the lyrics are or off of what this beat is telling me. Um, I do a lot of interacting with the crowd. I like to come down into the crowd and sort of let them in on it um, because I think interactive art is very important and Mm -hmm it's very much about how they interpret it and what they get out of it. Um, I'm, I'm a visual, visual artist by trade, and that's one of my favorite things about art is creating a piece, setting it in front of a person saying, okay, what do you think about this? How does this make you feel? That's exactly the same thing with being on stage in burlesque. Do you have any um, outside of burlesque creative experience or art experience that you think has helped you as a burlesque performer? I have been dancing all my life. So (laughs) since before I could walk, I've been dancing and I definitely can attribute my stage presence and confidence on the stage to those years and years and years and years of training. Um, That is probably the number one. Um, I also, as a visual artist, I'm very much aware of how people receive things and what they are seeing and they are witnessing. So yes, it is about me building confidence and expressing myself. However, it is definitely a big part of it is the audience's reception of it. And so Mm -hmm. I 
choreograph based on, okay, if I was in the audience, what am I seeing? And how can I improve upon that so that they get this a little bit better or they understand that a little bit better or that they really cheer on this part or they really relate to me on this part. Uh, it's very much a feedback loop for me. I had another question and it's immediately out of <laughs> Yeah, you looked like you were gonna and I was like, hey, I, can I ask on here? <laughs> I had one and as soon as she stopped talking, it was like everything in my brain just stopped moving. <laughs> um, well, I got one. Okay. Um, so um, you talk a lot about um, how burlesque helps um, basically everybody express who they are um, and that's where you find it being an art form. Um, so because it is Pride Month, um, I, I have to ask, how has burlesque helped you express your sexuality and find yourself through that journey? It has definitely, it has definitely helped me express that through like the confidence of I don't really care what others think. This is my story mm -hmm. and I'm going to tell it and the people that are going to receive it are going to receive it and the people that don't want it, they don't have to take it. Like I've always been very comfortable in, in my sexuality and I love the opportunity to express that on the stage with burlesque and kind of show others like, hey, it's, it's also okay to do this. Um, I've had a few performers reach out and tell me that they were moved by a specific act or that my performance has inspired them to sort of up their act with that as well and to become more comfortable in their statements. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of my sort of branding, but Carmela's um, color palette is basically just the bi pride flag. <laughs> um, so like it's kind of very apparent um, and I do have some acts that lean a lot more towards that uh, sort of sexuality thing and not just sexual orientation but also the not being ashamed of being sexual and being sensual sensual um, as well do you have a favorite performance that stands out to you above all the others that you just love doing or you love the crowd's reactions or maybe there's more than one for different reasons that you'd like to share so i have a really bad habit of making a new act for every show i do <laughs> So there's a lot. Um, Mama Leo has scolded me several times for that. But I I would have to say my top two right now, and they're always growing and developing. Um, to me, none of them are ever really finished. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just like another rendition every time I do it. But as of right now, I'd say my top two favorites are Slumber Party, which is one of my uh, gay AF routines. <laughs> And um, somebody that I used to know, which involves a stool in place of a chair for like a chair dance style. Um, and it's that was a very therapeutic routine for me. I actually debuted that on New Year's Eve um, and I hadn't done it since until just about a month ago. And that takes a really it takes a really specific headspace for me to get into, which is part of why I love it so much uh, because it really allows myself to feel and process as I'm on stage. Um, and it's, it's definitely a statement piece on sort of growth and leaving the past and becoming who I am today, honestly. Um, and 
I don't want to give too much away in case you haven't seen it, but there's a reveal <laughs> at the end where the crowd just goes crazy. Um, and I, I live off of that, that energy of just the screaming and the raining of money. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually going to be our next question is obviously being a performance artist, it's very emotional and you're taking your own emotions into these performances that you want you're sharing with your audience so is it do you have multiple numbers or maybe just this one that you have to be in a certain headspace for because it's just it's hard if you're not in the right headspace or do you have some performances where you're like you know what i just i'm having a shitty week i don't want to be here i don't want to do this but i know if i do this performance the crowd's gonna love it and it's gonna bring my energy up and i'm gonna feel better after this too honestly every performance is like that as soon as i get off that stage my day is instantly better um the stage is my happy place that is where i like to live and i get so pumped just standing backstage and hearing the MC start the introduction and seeing the lights go down, taking my place. And then there I am. It's a totally different headspace. Um, that, that one act is the only one that really takes me somewhere else as far as I need to be a little bit more vulnerable and I need to be in this specific mindset to really have it impact the way that I would like it to. Um, the rest of them, they're, they've got a mood, they've got a vibe, but they don't necessarily have that like, oh, now I need to like essentially meditate and get back into this mindset of I'm telling this very vulnerable story. Mm -hmm. We hear from a lot of performance artists that there's a point where you, it's not a hobby anymore as you're trying to transition it from a hobby into something you want to do full time. Um, there's that like lull where the, fun drops down and the I have to do this to make a living kind of takes over. Have you had one of those moments and how do you bring the excitement of performance back? Because I'm sure every time you're on stage you get that excitement but the actual like meat and bones of having to do it of like the choreography and doing your costumes and everything like that I'm sure adds up and how do you um, put the same excitement into those tasks as you would the actual performance? So along with being a burlesque performer, I'm a professional procrastinator. <laughs> and I think that affects me more so than the idea of I have to make a living off of it. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I can absolutely see myself doing this full time for the rest of my life as long as I am able. And that was actually my intent going into it was, okay, this is another thing in my toolkit that I can do to make a living. And that was my goal from the start. I dove in headfirst. I knew that maybe there were days when I would wake up and I wasn't really feeling it, but I just get working on some choreography, play my music over and over again, much to my partner's annoyment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of resets everything. And, and there's always those little aha moments where you're like, oh, wait, 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 this costume piece right here, that'll work, perfect. Let me time it with this. And then you're like, okay, I can keep doing this. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've had more sort of draws with my other styles of dancing rather than burlesque and I know it's still kind of new <laughs> kind of it's only been like six months um, it's very new still to me but I haven't really had that lull yet and I can't really imagine it 
happening, to be quite honest, because it has been so impactful. And I can incorporate all of the other things I do as a visual artist with creating the costumes and the visual aspect of it with the different styles and genres of choreography that I can bring to each of these. It's There's just so much to it. And the stress and it's not, a, yeah, it's not a lull. It's, it's just stress of me procrastinating, honestly. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> As a procrastinator myself, I totally get that. Um, does your partner often get recruited like mine does um, to kind of help with costumes or helping you give feedback on choreography? Does he just kind of get stuck doing it himself? Um, uh. Kind of like, so my husband um, gets stuck seeing, uh, like having to sit there and watch me edit all the time and uh, give me feedback. So is that something that you would try to get your partner to kind of help you with in those times of procrastination? I have tried to get him to help me with like <laughs> rhinestoning and he absolutely refuses because he doesn't want to mess it up. Um, That's fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, he's super creative too, just not in the same way. There are times where I'll run choreography past him and he'll just be like, yeah, it looks great, babe. And I'm like, you're not helping. Like I need actual constructive <laughs> feedback. Um, or I'll put together a costume piece and he'll be like, wow, you look really hot. And I'm like, thanks, but that's not what I'm looking for. Like, <laughs> so not necessarily in the preparation of it. Um, he does get recruited to work my shows. He wrote, he's the doorman there. So he helps um, check people in and kind of be security for that. Um, he's also gotten roped into being videographer quite a few times, but <laughs> yeah, everything else is on me. I think that's something about the artist life that doesn't get talked about enough is the spouses of the artist and how much work that they also put into this art. Like my boyfriend has to, I will edit a photo five different ways and they're all like slightly different. And I'll be like, which one do you think expresses this mood that I'm going for more? And he's like, they all look the same to me. And I'm like, they are not the same. I need you to look at this, please. And tell me which one is the best. Or mm -hmm. like even the business side, I'm not good with business. That is not my forte. I only want to create art. So if I, it wasn't for my boyfriend um, helping me with the business and pricing and all that stuff, I wouldn't make any money off my art. I do it all for free. <laughs> yep. And I don't think, uh, obviously the partners deserve as much, maybe not as much um, recognition or, you know, they don't do the art, but they deserve some kind of like good job on you because it's not, it's not easy dating an artist who that's oh. where their headspace is all the time. And they have to deal with us constantly, like talking about stuff and like talking to ourselves and they have to try to figure out, okay, are you actually having a conversation with me or are you just in your brain trying to figure this out on your own? And then I'm sitting there waiting for a response and he's like, I didn't realize you were talking to me and then I have to start all over and... <laughs> Uh, I, yeah I have a habit of he'll be talking to me and we'll be like we like to go hiking and stuff and he'll be like were you listening at all I'm like oh no sorry I was just thinking about how I could set up a shot over there like I'm I'm planning a whole photo shoot over here now mm -hmm. I'm not even with you anymore I'm sorry <laughs> I've been there <laughs> what changes do you see in yourself now that you have started doing burlesque compared to who you were before you had seen your first show so before I had seen my first show, I, well, we were coming out of the pandemic. I mean, we're still in it, but it was like the peak of the pandemic, right? So we were coming out of that and it was 
for me, it was, is, it was pulling myself out of a really low place. And I knew I wanted to go full-time with performing. I had made the career adjustments um, with my like W-2 job in order to do that so that I could spend more time focusing on creating and being a performing artist full-time. And I was just kind of trying to figure out where I was going. And I think burlesque has definitely given me direction, which has been so helpful. Um, obviously, we talked about the confidence and mm-hmm. what comes with that. And it's like Carmela bleeds into my muggle life all the time. Um, there are times where I'll be like, I'm going out tonight and I'm going out as Carmela, even if I don't look like her that day. Um, it's really <laughs> fun having like two sort of, I feel like a superhero, like it's my secret identity. Kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but it, it allows me to to be bold and to try things without the fear of like, oh, that's going to come back on me. And, you know, I don't take things as quite as personally anymore. Um, it's all very like it, it is a business, essentially, um, but it's a very personal thing still. And you feel very connected to a lot of the work and I feel like I've seen myself grow as far as my interest in finding that direction and finding that confidence to say, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I do. And I love it. So you said that you produce your own show. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the show and like the work that you have to put into it? And was it harder than you thought it was going to be? Let us, let us know. Yes. Um, I, do as of right now it's a monthly show the second thursday of the month uh actually at my place of work which is bottle bottega des moines and it's an interactive show which is very different from a lot of the stage shows and the bar shows that you see around here uh i guess you can compare it more to like the drag brunches that's probably the most similar experience but we encourage to be a participant in everyone's acts. And so we provide wristbands that are color coded so that the audience can tell the performers that they want to be included in an act, which can be like, you know, handed a prop or they help to remove a piece of clothing or the performer is going to come sit on their lap or they get brought up on stage, um, things like that. And then there is also the option of like, no, thank you. I just want to sit back and watch. And that's totally fine. We respect all levels of consent there. And that is a very exciting thing for the performers because it's very different and it leads to the opportunity for a lot of improv. So when you're working on choreography, a lot of times we get stuck in our mindset of, okay, well, I missed it this time. Am I going to get it right the next time? And you start to kind of critique yourself a little too much. Um, So having those opportunities for improvisation is really helpful for the performers. Um, It is... A BYOB studio, um, so people can bring their favorite wine or beer, and they can bring snacks if they want. And then we do a dance party afterwards. So there is a DJ, um, DJ Bailey, who is awesome uh, with I- Select Iowa Entertainment. She she ha- runs our p- after parties. She runs all the music for the show, and then you stick around for a bit, and you can hang out with the cast, get your picture taken with everyone, and then just party the night away. Um, the biggest things that go into that are for me the promotion um, because i've done event planning i've done a lot of event coordinating before and so i'm very familiar with running the behind the scenes 
of gathering a cast, gathering a crew, making sure everyone's on the same page, double checking like venues and, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but the promotion is something that's newer to me and getting that marketing out there has been sort of challenging, especially as a procrastinator. Um, but I love I love Facebook's uh, scheduling features so I can just like set them to run and then I'll see someone shared my post and I'm like oh yeah that's right I posted today like <laughs> very convenient um, as far as the communication goes I try to share overshare information essentially like maybe the cast doesn't need to know exactly what the DJ needs to know, but I'm going to just make sure everyone has that information just in case. Um, so I'm constantly sending out emails. I create group messages for everyone to ask questions. And I have like in a submission form so people can submit acts to my show. And I will either book the acts that they submitted if I think it's like the perfect fit and I really want that act in the show, or they have the opportunity to come up with brand new acts uh, as long as they communicate that with me and kind of run like, here's the idea, here's the concept, um, here's my music. And then as long as that's approved, then we can move forward with that. Um, so I, I have a lot of open-ended things that I deal with all the time. So it's it's a different, it's a different monster each show. Um, one of the really cool things that we have there, since it's not a stage setting, we don't have like theater lighting, but we do have the opportunity for black lights. Um, so every other show is a black light show. And that is super fun. Um, that one honestly doesn't take as much, that doesn't take much more planning than the others. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, switching out some lights and making sure that the performers understand that if they are not wearing neon or white they are going to disappear completely into the room and it's just a shadow performing which I guess could be cool too but that's not the show we're going for <laughs> you said that your partner helps in like work security and the door at your um show but do you do everything else by yourself or do you have a team that helps you like do you have to do all the setup and tear down by yourself or how does that usually work What's your so support one, system for that? One of the things that producing shows is teaching me is how to delegate. Uh, <laughs> I have trouble giving up control sometimes. So this is a really great opportunity for me to learn that. And there are, I do have a production partner as well. Lauren Order helps me out behind the scenes a lot. Um, she also steps in for emceeing sometimes and uh, she'll come in early on show days and she'll help me move around some of the tables and whatnot. Uh, but I kind of have in my head like, oh, this is the map of where everything needs to go. So I'm just going to do it. Um, the black lights, the boss comes in and changes those out because he's more comfortable doing it himself rather than letting me get on a ladder, even though I got on a ladder last time. It was fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do pretty much all of the marketing, um, at least with the designs um, and whatnot. I do have some resources for advertising as well that help with that but i do all of the designing like in canva pretty basic stuff um, and put that out there um i am the main mc for the show as well so i'm talking throughout all the shows um and running around making sure everything's in place and in order and also playing hostess to all of the performers and then performing myself as well um, I am very grateful for all of the kittens that run the show. So the kittens, there's a tip kitten and there's a stage kitten. 
um, and they the tip kitten goes around with a bucket circulating after each performer to collect tips so that the performers don't have to worry about collecting tips themselves. And then the stage kitten goes and cleans up the stage. They clean up all of these stripper droppings, as we call them, <laughs> and make sure that all of that is cleared out of the way for the next performer. And they set the stage if there's like a prop or a chair or something that needs to be out there as well. And the tip kittens that and, and stage kittens that we've had so far have been very helpful in running things behind the scenes, um, sort of beyond their job description, honestly, um, where they'll just step up and do whatever you need them to. Like that is my main crew. And <laughs> on Thursday, cause we just had a show on Thursday, I was sitting there um, cutting out papers with people's Venmos on them so that people can tip the performers digitally as well as with physical dollar bills. And I'm sitting there cutting out these papers and uh, one of my friends was standing right next to me and I'm like, you know, I could totally delegate this to somebody. And she goes, do you want me to do that? And I was like, yes, take it, take it before I take it. I'm just going to do something else. <laughs> so what would you say for those who would want to start looking into performing burlesque? Like what advice would you give them? Just do it. <laughs> like you can't hesitate. You just have to go for it. And just know that there will be people ready to support you and welcome you with open arms. And we will push you uh, to be your best self. It's, there are so many opportunities here now. And Leo LaFlash and May the Force have done amazing things with the Flash Force University. And they teach you step-by-step, week-by-week. They will help you create your name. They'll help you create your persona. They will help you get booked for shows. They will help you with choreography. We even do a challenge week which is really cool um, where things go wrong and you have to deal with it just like in a real show. Um, I am personally cursed with music issues. So I have a lot of experience of music cutting out or being the wrong thing or not being loud enough. And uh, yeah, that's something that you got to deal with. And we're always on our toes. And even if you're fully prepared for a show, it's probably going to end up being some improv anyway. And no one's going to know. Like, to the audience, you're the expert. You know what you're doing. That was all exactly according to plan. They have no idea. So just do it. Just go out there and do it. <laughs> Is there anything or any special advice to some people that you'd give of that maybe they want to, but they don't feel like they have the confidence or the um, self-image that they should do burlesque? See, to me burlesque is how you get that confidence and that image of yourself and I completely understand how people think that they might not have the right look or the right moves um, but you know there's a market for everything <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I personally I have seen growth and that confidence coming with burlesque um, during the peak of the pandemic uh, my body changed a lot. <laughs> like looking back at, I, so I dance um, for the Iowa Barnstormers as well. Um, not as Carmela. Have fun figuring out who I am. No. Um, <laughs> I, I Looking back at rookie year for me, like uh, compared to pictures from some of the shows this year doing burlesque, which are a lot more exposed and a lot more of my body is visible. I have changed completely. And at first it was shocking to me I wasn't used to it I, and I, I didn't like how I looked in the photographs and I had never felt that way before but the more that I did these shows and the more that I had people 
supporting me and like sharing my photos, I, I gained that confidence back very quickly. Um, and I, and I can definitely attribute that to burlesque. It is, it is something that makes you a lot more bold. And I think that everyone should have that opportunity to be bold. Uh, how many shows would you say that you've done so far? See, if I knew you were going to ask that question, I would pull up my tracker. <laughs> I, I, I've been trying really hard to track all of the things that I do, um, partially to build a performer's resume um, for, you know, to send to producers and, and things like that. And then also just because I'm curious to see where this goes. And I have a show tracker and I have done a lot of shows. Um, the summer is really busy for me, so I'm not able to get in as many. Here either. I have done about 16 so far. That's pretty Mostly good. Mostly around Des Moines. Where's the furthest that you've gone? Uh, so far, the furthest is Iowa City. Okay. Do you have a dream place that you would love to perform one day? Oh, I, I would want to perform in my hometown, Milwaukee. Like, absolutely. That would be so much fun. Um, I know that's probably not, like, a very exciting answer, but, like, that'd be really cool. <laughs> well, and there's something kind of kind of cool to think about when performing somewhere where you have evolved from where you had started. Mm -hmm. So being able to kind of go back to where you weren't Carmela and going as Carmela, I'm sure has some sort of just good feeling deep down in there where you're thinking, you know, you're looking at your hometown and being like, well, the last time I was here, this was not who I was. And now I get to show everybody through my performance. So, yeah, I, I mean, I totally get wanting to do that in your hometown. Yeah. So we have one last question before we wrap up. And that question is going to be outside of the performance. What is your favorite uh, extra thing in burlesque? Because like you said, burlesque is multiple types of art forms. It's costume making. It's um creating a routine it's the actual performance so outside the actual performance what is your favorite thing to do in burlesque that's a good question um i don't know like i love <laughs> I, I love creating things and so like the costuming is fun and because I do a lot of things last minute, I tend to just throw together stuff from my closet, um, which is always fun and very resourceful. Um, I really enjoy the social aspect for sure. I love going to other shows and supporting other performers. Um, it's mostly about the performing, to be quite honest. <laughs> that's what that's drew fair. me to it. And that's, what, that's kind of what's keeping me going. Um, and I, I love having that, um, my social media presence has grown a lot uh, as well. And that's always a fun part of it, which is kind of an afterthought for a lot of performers, uh, it seems. But that is something that is fun to kind of create this whole new person that is, it's still me, but it's just in a different light. And so I think that's outside of performing that kind of creating that persona and really building upon who Carmela is and how she's evolving is probably my favorite thing. Yeah. So before we wrap up, would you like to tell our audience where they can find you on social media, where they can go to your shows, if you have any upcoming shows, anything like that? Yes. Our next show 
for Bottega After Dark, a VIP burlesque experience. I don't know why I named it so long. <laughs> Inspired by Fallout Boy, I guess. Um, but our next show is July 14th, which is the second Thursday of next month. And it is a blacklight show. So there will be a blacklight dance party afterwards. So come dress in your best neons. Um, on social media, on Facebook, you can follow Live Mori Productions, which will keep you updated on all, all the shows where you can get tickets, cast reveals. Um, it is a rotating cast every month. So the only familiar face will be me and possibly some returners that are doing emceeing rather than just performing, as I like to give that opportunity as well. Um, on Instagram, I am at Burnt Sugar Babe, that is sugar with no R, um, <laughs> known as the Burnt Sugar Babe of Burlesque uh, because of the caramel reference. Shout out to May the Force for that tagline. <laughs> and uh, if you need to email me, it's carmella.more at gmail. Pretty straightforward. But yeah, that's where you can find me as of right now. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. If you'd like to keep up to date with the That Artist podcast off air, you can find us at Facebook at thatartist.fb, on Instagram at thatartist.ig, and on TikTok at thatartist.tiktok. And if you'd like to be a guest on the That Artist podcast, email us. You can email us at thatartistpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, go to our website, That Artist Productions. There's more information over there. But most importantly, please, 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 please support our fundraiser for the Trevor Project. Once again, all the money is going to the Trevor Project, the worldwide crisis intervention for LGBTQ youth. And we really want to support them this month. So um, help us do that. At, and at the end of the month, all of those designs are gone forever. So if you like a design and you want to get something... Do it now. Do it now. Because you will not have the chance after after June. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye.